This is Castle Stories, a podcast from Newcastle Castle about the rich history of the North East. Hello and welcome to Castle Stories. I'm your host, David Silk. We've got something a little bit different for you this week. My colleague, George Blair, who is an expert on booze, and by that I don't just mean he spends all his available free time in the pub, is going to talk to you a little bit about alcohol and brewing and other associated boozy subjects in medieval Newcastle. So without any further ado, I'm going to hand over to George and he's going to tell you all about ale and what have you. So what did our ancestors drink on a daily basis? Here is an overview of the common types of liquid refreshment available over 700 years ago. Ale brewed all over the world for as long as anyone can remember. The first documented source for ale was from ancient Egypt, which used bread yeast to ferment emma wheat. This provided sustenance to the labourers working on the pyramids of the pharaohs in ancient Egypt. In Britain, beer was common, the ancient Britons using herbs such as yarrow and sage to flavour their brews. The Romans and Greeks after them preferred wine and considered ale as a drink for the barbarian. Tacitus and Pliny, both Roman historians, wrote some rather disparaging remarks on beer and its association with Celtic and Germanic culture. Fostering the thought that beer was for the unlearned foreigner and wine was the drink for the sophisticated and learned. However, this did little to dampen the enthusiasm for ale in the Anglo-Saxon period. They had settled in Britain during the 5th century AD. They had introduced guild houses to Britain, which are the precursor to the modern pub, which is where people would meet friends and bond over an ale or two. They would have been located in any village or town the length and breadth of the five kingdoms from Northumbria to Wessex. But why beer? Was water really that bad? Not necessarily so. Water would have been drunk when clean well or spring water was available. There was no guarantee of this, especially in bigger towns and cities, where effective sanitisation was not considered a priority. So the most common form of quenching your thirst became ale. The consumption of ale continued apace in the alehouses of villages and towns throughout the medieval period. As population sizes grew, so did the quaffing of ale. Even small children drank it. It's slightly more preferable to drink an infective water. Inns and pubs sprung up all over the place and were often identified by a broom attached to the lintel of the entrance. Some had even begun to give themselves names. For example, the Lamb and Lion or the Dragon. The oldest purported pub in Newcastle is alleged to be the Old George which has been serving people like King Charles I of England since 1583. Alongside ale and cider, he would serve food too, with simple pottages and stews, as well as mutton pies, which would be enjoyed throughout the day. Ale was usually made by alewives on site and served in wooden beacons direct from the barrel. Larger scale operations started to appear in large inns and towns. Medieval castles and abbeys would have had their own dedicated brew houses on site, here in Newcastle Castle, often situated near a bakehouse. One medieval source states that in 1334, the household of Elizabeth de Berg, Lady of Clare, brewed about eight quarters of barley each week, each quarter yielding about 60 gallons of ale. In modern day terms, this equates to 3,480 pints produced for a household every seven days. Thirsty work living in the Middle Ages. These were essentially the precursors 
to the large-scale breweries that we see today. What is ale? Ale is simply malted barley heated in water to create what we call a wort. Then yeast, normally baker's yeast, hence its proximity to bakers, is added which converts the natural sugars in the barley grain into alcohol. This would create a small ale, low alcohol but safe to drink. The grain used to produce the ale would have been different depending on what part of the country you were from. In Newcastle during the Middle Ages, it is likely that the brew houses would have used a type of barley called big or a similar hardy grain. The big market, which has been around since the middle of the 13th century, is where you would have found this barley for sale. This type of barley was region specific and imparted a sweet, nutty taste to the finished brew. However, big fell out of favour and is now only available in the Orkney Islands, the north of Scotland. The stronger ale served in the alehouses was twice brewed. This was to yield more sugars for the yeasts to react with and create a beer resembling what we drink today in the pub. However, it did not have a very long shelf life and had to be drunk fresh to avoid it from souring. Not necessarily a bad thing though, is it? So what did it taste like? Everyone had their own recipe for beer and it was brewed everywhere from castles to peasant hovels. Medieval ale would have been quite sweet to drink in comparison to modern day ale, akin to something like a mild bitter. The colour would have been dependent on the barley used and the length of time it was mashed. However, as time progressed, hops were introduced from the continent, in particular Flanders, which is now an area in Belgium. This gave the ale a pronounced bitterness and were antibacterial too, enabling the beer to keep better. They were used mainly in the south of England, in particular Kent, where they were grown commercially from the 15th century onwards. During the Wars of the Roses, Richard Neville, Earl of Warwick, used the new hop-forward beer as a way of convincing troops from the south to sign up for military service for the Yorkists against the Lancastrians. If they did not sign up, they ran the risk of being defeated and having sweet northern ale to drink. If hops were not available, then a blend of herbs would be used to bitter the drink. Bog myrtle and heather, amongst others, were blended together to form a groot, or herb mixture. Each mixture could be individual, dependent on what herbs were in season, importing a different flavour to the beer. Other adjuncts or additions could be added. For example, in the drink sarti, a Finnish ale, juniper and spruce were added to rye barley to produce the semi-legendary black beer still drank today in modern-day Finland. Cider. Cider is another drink that we all enjoy today. However, this was not common in Britain until the Middle Ages, after the Norman Conquest. Apples, although abundant since Roman times and quintessentially British, were mainly used for eating. Although the Celts enjoyed cider in Britain, it was made from crab apples and probably had a very astringent and bitter flavour. The Romans introduced apples as we know today in the 1st century BC. It wasn't as popular as wine or ale. This changed, however, after 1066, when barrels of cider were brought over to quench the thirst of the Norman soldiers. Northern France is the home to large cider apple orchards, and still produces some of the finest vintage ciders to this day. As the Normans settled in, they planted special cider and pear orchards. Medieval church documents and tax records from the early 1300s suggest it was most popular in Devon and Somerset, where most of the modern cider is produced to this day. It was a popular drink in the south of England, its appeal lessening the further north you've travelled. 
Though having said that, in Newcastle, cider would have been produced in the abbeys and prairies of the town and surrounding areas. It is recorded in official town rules that Blackfriars were granted access to their orchards through a postern gate within the newly constructed town walls sometime in the 1300s. There is an orchard street close to the central station, which gives us further clues to its former origin. It was once the site of the orchard attached to the Carmelite Friary, home to the White Friars, who were known to like a drop or two whilst helping the needy of the town. So how was it made? Even easier to produce than ale. Apples were harvested and pressed using a special cider press. This separated the juice and flesh. The resultant pulp was used to feed farm animals like pigs and goats. Once the juice was extracted, it would usually be left in an open barrel so the natural bacteria in the air would ferment the sugars, turning them into alcohol and creating the cider that we love today. Wine. Did medieval people drink wine? According to the Doomsday Book of 1086, there were vineyards being planted in southeast England to produce wine for the newly formed monasteries and abbeys, springing up in the 11th and 12th centuries. Alongside British wine, we see the influx of wine from southern France, in particular Gascony and Aquitaine, both controlled by the English crown. Even Newcastle, according to some of the duty rolls in the mid-1200s, is important wine from the continent. Wine was mainly drank by the aristocracy and merchant classes due to its expense, yet still had to be drank quickly. Once a barrel of wine was opened, it deteriorated quite swiftly. One way of disguising bad wine was to flavour it with spices, such as nutmeg and cinnamon, to hide the sourness. Adding honey will provide you with sweetness. These spices were high status and expensive, so you're only likely to see spiced wine at a merchant or noble's table. It is only with the advent of modern mass production that wine is now drunk by the masses. Back in the Middle Ages, it really was a luxury. That was a small overview of the types of liquid refreshment available to the citizens of Newcastle during the medieval period, proving that liquid nourishment was high up on the agendas of our ancestors as well as our own in 2021. Castle Stories is a Newcastle Castle production. This week's host was David Silk. You can find out more about Castle Stories and about Newcastle Castle at newcastlecastle.co.uk.